1: I'm Graham Ledger, next on The Ledger Report. Ending the Pelosi-McConnell swamp forever. There is a way, did you know? There is a way that we the people can get rid of the swamp in Washington, D.C. and fix all the other aspects of a broken federal government. It's contained within the United States Constitution, and we have the power right now to fix it. Stand by. The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in, so sit back and relax as we unfold this edition of the Ledger Report.
0: This is not personal. It's not. This is about the future of the country. This is about the direction of the country. American people who are looking at this body and wondering why we can pass 1.7 trillion dollar bills that are unpaid for. They can just slide in 45 billion dollars for Ukraine, but not pay for it. 40 billion dollars for emergency spending and not pay for it. 10% increase in defense spending, 6% increase in non-defense spending and not pay for it and not do a thing except put language in a bill that prohibits our ability to use the money to secure the border. That bill gets rammed through, and we know exactly how it gets rammed through. Because the defense world and the non-defense world come together and say, you know what? We're gonna cut a deal and we'll all go to the mics and we will all gonna give speeches and the American people are the big losers. That's what happens. We know that's what happens. The Rules Committee sits up there and passes a bill, sends it to the floor, and we have no debate on the floor of this body. We haven't been able to offer an amendment on the floor of this body since May of 2016. The former leader and I have discussed this right here. That's true. But the fact is, this place has to change. It has to change. And the change comes by either adopting rules and procedures that will make us actually do our job, or it comes from leadership. And people ask me, what do you want? I want the tools, or I want the leadership to stop the swamp from running over the average American every single day.
1: Top tape. That's Congressman Chip Roy. I don't really like or trust people who have two first names. (laughs) Chip Roy? Okay, but this guy's a pretty through and through, patriotic American. Pretty darn conservative, what he says there is true. And it's just the latest iteration of a broken Washington, D.C., passing $1.7 trillion worth of crap. Can this country survive if that $1.7 trillion hadn't been passed? Yes, and I know that there's funding for the military in there. The point is, it's $1.7 trillion that don't exist. We're over budget, ladies and gentlemen. What happens in your household if you go over budget? If you have credit card bills that are going unpaid, what happens in your household? Well, that's happening right now on the federal level. 31, 32 trillion dollars in national debt. And about a trillion plus just within the last calendar year, I'm talking 2022, Late 21, 22. It's unbelievable. When Barack Obama took office, the national debt was somewhere in the neighborhood of nine or ten trillion dollars. Still too high. It's tripled. It's tripled in a matter of, what, a dozen years? It's unbelievable. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. At some point, I've said it a million times, I'll say it again right now, at some point, the laws of economics trump the laws of politics and the politicians. And we're going to see it, and it's going to be a cataclysm. It's going to be an economic cataclysm. It's going to look like Greece a few years ago on steroids, and it's going to happen to us. How, what's it going to look like? I don't know. It could look like the Weimar Republic going to banks with wheelbarrows because your dollars are worthless. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it it looks like a a depression, like the country suffered through in the 1930s. I don't know. Maybe it's all those things rolled into one. Maybe it's civil war. All I know is at some point, and, and we may be nearing it right now, this is not being discussed much at the federal level. But as interest rates go up, so does our debt service on that $31, $32 trillion In debt. And so in calendar year, about halfway through calendar year 2020, the debt service was somewhere around, I think, $400 billion. Well, since then, interest rates have doubled, if not tripled. What does that do to the debt service? Doubles, triples the debt service. Who's going to pay that debt? How are we going to pay that debt? But this discussion with Congressman Roy, He's making the point about who to choose for speaker. It doesn't really matter who they choose for speaker because we have what is now a uniparty in Washington, D.C. And even even if a conservative happens to get in there, a Jim Jordan or somebody of of that nature, it's not going to blanket fix Washington, D.C. It may fix certain codicils, and certain procedures in the House of Representatives, and it may help matters in an effort to balance the budget, for example, or slow down the radical Biden Marxist agenda. It might help, but it's not a permanent solution. In the end, we have Democrats and Republicans, a bipartisan effort of destroying this republic. The reason why you have inflation, as much as you don't want to hear this, it's because of Democrats and Republicans going along with shutting down our economy. You can't shut down a multi-trillion dollar economy and not expect bad things to happen. (laughs) And when the United States catches a cold, the rest of the world sneezes. So when Asia sees the United States shutting down, what does Asia do? It shuts down and doubles down. A lot of Asia is still messed up. The Supply chains are a disaster. Europe does the same thing. Russia didn't really follow in our footsteps, and it doesn't have the problems that we're looking at. But these other countries did follow in our footsteps. They shut their borders down, and they shut their economies down, and they forced people to stay home and, quote, work from home. It's all nonsense, working from home. We all know it. And they forced people out of their jobs, and they forced people into their homes, locked down. And they scared people to death into buying hoards of toilet paper that probably most of the people who hoarded toilet paper will never use the rest of it the rest of their life. It's cuckoo. And so now you have people going to Walmart and paying $7 for eggs. Or $14 for it, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't eat eggs much. I mix it in my biscotti or, you know, once in a while I have to crack an egg. Usually I do a, an egg white. Uh, try not to use the yolk. Sometimes you have to use an egg. For example, if I'm making crab cakes, I got to put a little egg in there to hold it together with the breadcrumbs. Uh, same thing with my meatballs. Got to have a little egg in there. Okay, so crab cakes, meatballs, biscotti. I'm Italian, I'm sorry. But the reason why your eggs are so expensive isn't because of the farmer, isn't because of the rancher, isn't because of the trucker, isn't because of Walmart, it's because of your politicians. And the bottom line is, I'm not gonna point the finger at you, but too many of your neighbors allowed fear to permeate their lives in 2020 and 2021. And now look back, they're fools. And yours truly, you know, I've been on record from the beginning, telling you this has been the greatest attack on American liberty in the history of this republic. The Japanese bombing uh, Pearl Harbor and World War starting World War II was nothing compared to the internal attack perpetuated by politicians, and non-elected bureaucrats like Dr. Fauci. Nothing. This was the greatest internal attack on this country and on our liberty in the history of this republic. And we have not recovered. And we will never recover from this. We won't, let's face it. You've got to admit, we're not gonna recover from this. Look at California. They're talking about imposing mask mandates all over again when the research, the mounds of research that I gave to you way back in March and April of 2020, I said, don't wear a mask. (laughs) Number one, it doesn't do anything. And number two, it's bad for your health. Yet we have California and Washington State and New York now talking about imposing mask mandates on children. We have the numbers, ladies and gentlemen. Children are virtually immune from COVID. Yet here we are, driven by fear. And so what Chip Roy is talking about here, yes, is specifically regarding the speaker, but he's talking about a bigger picture. And that is fixing this republic. And there is a way to do it. And I want to chronicle to you something that happened 90 years ago that is evidence that yours truly is not insane. And that the method we can use to fix this republic does work, and it has worked, and it is the only way now. It is the only way. But first, I want to remind you, this program is brought to you by America's Best Beef Jerky. Go to americasbestbeefjerky.com, enter ledger, my last name, ledger in the promo code box, and you'll receive, I think it's 15% off and free shipping. Now, remember, not only is this awesome beef jerky melts in your mouth, but this organization helps veterans, helps them stay on the right path and helps them with their post-stress <clears throat> excuse me, stress disorder and the like and, and keeps them from harming themselves. That's the mission, of besides selling beef jerky of America's Best Beef Jerky, to help veterans. America's best be jerky.com Ledger promo code box, also brought to you by my pillow, Mike Lindell. Uh, put Ledger in the promo co- box at uh, my pillow and my store. My store uh, is the sh- offshoot of my pillow, American- Made Products, uh, by Mike Lindell. Um And, and uh, you get uh, up to 66 percent off from my pillow ledger in the promo code box also brought to you by relief factor 833-425-7246 833 425 relief factor i have a pain in my back and i take relief factor and it does help and i'd like to hear from you please go to my website grahamledger.com answer the ledger register question it changes periodically when i feel like it um, but also my latest episodes are all there I'd also like to hear from you via email, grahamledger411 at gmail, grahamledger411 at gmail.com. So Chip Roy's goals are noble. Chip Roy is correct. They're just going about it in a rather obtuse way, an electing speaker. But what if I, What if I told you that this spectacle, that some people have trouble, I don't have trouble. I think it's fascinating to watch. I think it's America. I think the framers... Would agree with what's going on there and the challenge to the speakership. And we have this weak-kneed Republicans saying, oh, this is awful. I don't think so. I think that the conservative Republicans, some of whom I like, some of whom I believe are hypocrites, um, some of whom are good. um, I think they've made their point. I think they've gotten concessions. I think they've weakened the Speaker of the House. And that's a good thing. We don't want an Attila the Hun Speaker of the House like we have with Nancy Pelosi. But what if I told you that this entire process would almost be rendered moot if we could institute one aspect, one major global change in Washington, D.C. What if I told you that we would never have a Nancy Pelosi again? That we would never have a Kevin McCarthy again? By the way, who do you blame for Kevin McCarthy and his failing grade? As a conservative Republican, so-called, he's not a conservative Republican. He has an F. F as in Frank. F rating in his entire voting career in Washington, D.C. Kevin McCarthy is an amoeba. That's all he is. Some people call him a liar. I don't know the guy, but I know he's an, an amoeba. And as an amoeba, you just try and go out there and bounce off things and survive. That's what Kevin McCarthy is. That's who he is, okay? And so that's probably going to be the Speaker of the House. I don't want to get into the weeds here, because this is not about the Speaker of the House. This is about making a global change to the federal government. And we can eliminate the Kevin McCarthys, and we can eliminate the Nancy Pelosi's. And on the Senate side, we can eliminate Mitt Romney. Or at least we can mitigate the damage from Mitt Romney. How about that? And we can eliminate the Mitch McConnell. And the longest-serving... Serving. No, we're serving him and Coco Chow, his wife. Not my name, Donald Trump's name. I just love it. Coco Chow. Um, He doesn't serve us. We serve him. The longest serving leader in the history of the Senate. That title would, again, be rendered moot. It won't exist anymore if we make one simple change. Lobbyists, you know, this is one of the things that with K Street, one of the things that we often forget about, that these politicians, over the years especially, are bought and sold by K Street lobbyists. We can render that muted. We can't necessarily eliminate lobbying, and I don't think we want to eliminate lobbying. I think lobbying is built into our system, and the framers, I don't know if they addressed it in the Federalist Papers or not, But the framers knew there would be lobbying going on as part of the system. They didn't expressly talk about it in the United States Constitution, but it's there between the lines. Just like freedom of movement is there in the United States Constitution between the lines. It doesn't say you have the freedom to move within the United States as part of your liberty, but that's inherent in the Constitution. Frankly, If it was 1787 all over again, I'd walk up to Benjamin Franklin or or George Washington or James Madison, and I would say, you better put freedom of movement in there, because 240-something years later, they're going to attack freedom of movement, especially in this state called California. What's California? It's going to be the very furthest to the West in the United States, Mr. Washington, um, and it's become a state, It's going to become a state in 1848, uh, and they're going to take away people's liberty in this state, and so you better protect it even further. You better delineate even further. Remember, the Constitution was designed just to limit government and preserve the rights, basically the rights that aren't, aren't enumerated in the Constitution necessarily. All other rights are protected in the Constitution. All other rights are ours yet they're being eroded by what some people call a living, breathing document. It's not. It's a contract. Just like the marriage contract you have with your wife is a contract. You don't go up to your wife and say, Hey, um, this marriage document, that's a living, breathing uh, contract. I'm going to go have sex with uh, multiple uh, women over here. How well do you think that would go over with your wife? So it was February of 1933. We're coming up on the uh, 90th anniversary. So 2023 is the 90th anniversary year of an event that took place in this country that has not taken place again and had never taken place before. And it is the closest thing to what I call the solution to the problems in Washington, D.C., be it Nancy Pelosi or the overspending or HHS and its budget of more than a trillion dollars a year. I mean, think about that. HHS, was that even in the faintest dreams of any, anyone in 1787 in Philadelphia? No, because it's complete and total government overreach. Now, HHS includes Medicare um, and Medicaid, as part of its budget, but the, but the rest of the budget is, quote, mandatory as part of Obamacare and the rest of the government overreach through health and human services, which shouldn't exist at all in this country. The IRS, do you think the framers of the Constitution ever could have conceived or wanted the IRS to exist? No, but we got it through the 16th Amendment. Now, I'm telling you, that what happened 90 years ago in 1933 is pretty close to the template, close to the template. There's one minor left turn that this one took because this part of the 1933 process, and I'll get to that in a moment, um, couldn't and shouldn't happen um, again. But this is the 90th anniversary of what? Well, the 21st Amendment. What was the 21st Amendment? Well, let's go back to the 18th Amendment. The 18th Amendment, of course, was prohibition. And prohibition, in case you went to a state university like I did, and i got to explain it to you again, was the prohibition of alcohol. It, it made the sale of alcohol and the consumption and the production of alcohol illegal in the United States. And, of course, it's what allowed folks like Al Capone to rise to prominence and and, uh, infamy and make a lot of money and kill a lot of people. The bootlegging industry grew out of the 18th Amendment and prohibition. It didn't work, right? So we had these several years after the 18th Amendment of craziness and speakeasies. and People wanted to have their alcohol. And ostensibly, the reason for the 18th Amendment was to try and cut down on alcoholism, and after years of post-18th Amendment, it didn't work. The research was, was pretty darn clear. And so, by 1933, uh, it was pretty obvious that Prohibition was a fail year. And in December of 1932, so one month before the turn of the year, 1933, a congressman by the name of Henry Rainey of Illinois introduced House Joint Resolution 480 to repeal the 18th Amendment. Now, this congressman, Rainey, was hoping to get the requisite two-thirds majority that would turn this law into, the that is the repeal of the 18th Amendment, that would turn the repeal of the 18th Amendment into an an amendment to the Constitution. So if, it, if, if the um, votes were there of, of two-thirds a majority in the House of Representatives and the United States Senate, it would have become an amendment to the Constitution becoming the 21st Amendment. But the votes weren't there. There were votes enough to pass this Joint Resolution 480. So it passed, and it went on to the United States Senate. Now, in the Senate. It kind of stalled, and it languished, but about a month later, it was able to pass. And so by February of 1933, the law, House Joint Resolution 480, was passed and signed by FDR. FDR was President of the United States back then. Now, contained within this repeal of the 18th Amendment, which Uh, didn't happen. You can't repeal an amendment with a law. You have to supplant it with another amendment. So it became a law, but it became a law with no teeth except for one thing. Contained within House Joint Resolution 480, which became law, was a mandate for a creation of a convention of the states or conventions of the states to meet and to have the states or the state legislatures vote on whether to repeal the 18th Amendment. And so that's what happened. It mandated the states to hold conventions. What's a convention, by the way? You you hear this term, it's kind of esoteric, a convention. You think of, uh, you know, going to a convention in Las Vegas and um, you know, looking at a bunch of fancy uh, equipment that's going to be in the stores tomorrow. Now, that is a convention, but this kind of convention was very common back at our founding. And so that's why the framers of the Constitution built into the United States Constitution a method of amending our Constitution by a convention of the states. In Article 5, there are two ways to amend the United States Constitution. One is via Congress voting and hitting that two-thirds threshold and then circulating through the legislatures for ratification. And that's the way the Constitution has been amended 26 times. We have 27 amendments. But this time, in 1933, it was different because there was not that two-thirds threshold. Yet the petition, the law, mandated that the states meet in convention form and vote to whether re- to repeal the 18th Amendment. And that's what they did. And one by one by one, there were 48 states back then in 1933. One by one, they ratified it. They agreed to overturn the 18th Amendment, to repeal the 18th Amendment. And about 10 months later, it was December of 1933, Utah... Of all states, Utah became the 36th state, thus hitting the three-quarters threshold, 36th state, to ratify the repeal of the 18th Amendment. Ergo, the 21st Amendment to the United States Constitution was born. So, this is not a clean version. This is the the portion I want to address that I consider the left term. The two ways to, ratify, to modify the United States Constitution in amendment form, again, one has been done 26 times, 26 and a half times, basically. The 21st Amendment is odd because it didn't follow the, the route of the other amendments where they did have the threshold in the, in the Congress and then it went to the states for ratification. In this one, they didn't have the the threshold. They didn't hit the two-thirds majority in the House of Representatives, so it had to be approved independently by the states. And Congress had no role except mandating that there would be these conventions of the state. That's all Congress's role was in this. They set the foundation, but in the end it was the states. The clean version of the other half of Article 5 is the states themselves independent, of the Congress calling a convention. Now, the Congress does play a role in this second method, which has never been used cleanly. Because once the states hit the two-thirds level to trigger the Article V Convention of the States or conventions of the states, then Congress needs to ministerially, in a kind of a secretarial way, call the convention or conventions. So Congress is involved, but it's just to say, yeah, we recognize the fact that you've hit the two-thirds threshold and we're here to, to watch what's going on. That's it. They are observers. And so we are at a time in this country right now where, you know, 10 years ago when I was talking about Convention of the States, which I'm on record talking about back then, there were maybe two states involved. Barack Obama was president, and I knew we had to do something and we had to do something big, and we had to do something relatively quickly. And so I got behind Convention of the States back in 2013, 2014. Back then, we only had one or two states on board. Today, there are 19 states on board. 19 states on board. The green states in this picture are the states that have passed a resolution to trigger a convention of the states to participate in a convention of the states. You see Arizona, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Florida. Uh, you've got Arkansas. Uh, I'm sorry, Alaska. You've got North Dakota. Now the blue represent states that have active legislation, and there are 18 states with active legislation considering. I don't know what stage they are in these different states, but they're now considering participating in a convention of the states. And the kind of yellow color there are states like North Carolina, Virginia, New Mexico, South Dakota, Iowa, that have passed in one chamber a yes vote. So they need the other chamber there, a yes vote to participate in a convention of the states. Now, I'm not going to get into the fears that some people have about Article 5, okay? I can address that at another time. They're fairly simple to defeat and fairly simple to allay the fears, okay? Like a runaway convention. It's not going to happen. I would just say to you that if you have doubts about me and this system, why would the framers put it in there? Why would the framers of the Constitution put this direct method bypassing Washington, D.C., bypassing the Congress? Why would they put it in there unless they wanted us to use it as an emergency ripcord? You jump out of a plane. Your main chute doesn't open. Why do you have a backup chute? Hmm? Why do you have four engines on a 747? In case one of those engines flames out, over the Pacific on your way to Hawaii? Yeah, it's a good idea. I don't know why they allow engines or planes with only two engines now to fly to Hawaii. <laughs> it's just not. Listen, I've flown to Europe in a plane with four engines and two engines. And I feel way more. And it may be, I know if you're a pilot, don't you can go ahead and email me. Let me know. But I feel more comfortable with four rather than just two. I'm sorry. So this is why the framers put it in there. This is our emergency ripcord. This is our extra engine or two. Now is the time. Nineteen states have said yes to this. Now, what are some of the things that can be done? And and how does this eliminate a Nancy Pelosi or a um, Mitch McConnell or a a McCarthy for that matter? Well, if among the things we take care of in a convention of the states is term limits for Congress, and I'm talking one term and you're done, that's my favorite. You want to do ter- ter- two terms? Okay, fine. But what you've done is you have eliminated the Nancy Pelosi's from this career in Washington, D.C., career in the House of Representatives, this career of ruining our republic. You have eliminated her. One, two terms. She's done. House of Representatives, Speaker of the House. You're not going to have a spectacle like we have going on right now. Again, I don't think it's a bad spectacle necessarily. But you're not going to have that when you have people rotating in and out the way the framers of the Constitution wanted it to be. And in the Senate, one and you're done, baby. Oh, but what about Ted Cruz or Mike Lee, Graham? Well, you know what? I think there are plenty of Ted Cruz's and Mike Lee's out there ready to take their place. Just think about it. Mitt Romney would be limited to one term and he's out of there. Think about that. Or two terms, whatever. He could only do so much damage for so long. I believe in the Senate, six years, one term, done. By the way, while we're at it, we could repeal the 17th Amendment and put control of voting of the United States Senate back in the hands of the legislatures the way the framers of the Constitution designed it. And oh, by the way, as part of that, you slip in their term limit, one, and you're done. Term limits for federal employees. How do you clean up the FBI? You tell those suckers, you want to be a part of the FBI, that's great. You can be in there for two years and you're gone. Go do local policing. Go do something else. And I'm talking aggregate time in the federal government. In other words, if you serve in Congress for two years or six years, that's considered part of your time in the federal government. So you want to go work um, as a department head somewhere in the federal government? And your total aggregate time allowed to work in the federal government is four years. You serve two years in Congress. You got two more years left. Term limits across the board. How do we get rid of the Department of Energy or Department of Education or the EPA? How do we get rid of the IRS? Oh, there's a good one. How about repeal the 16th Amendment? Are you crazy, Graham? How is the federal government going to operate without federal income tax? Just fine, thank you. Prior to 1913, this country functioned without the individual tax returns of millions of Americans. And oh, by the way, there are plenty of states in this union with no personal income tax. And they seem to function. So eliminate and repeal The 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment. How about that? These are the things, by the way, when you're looking for leadership, what Chip Roy was talking about, he's looking for the mechanism and the people, leadership isn't, hey, follow me, I'm the guy in charge, I'll give you all kinds of goodies and things, which is what the Republican leadership does. That's what Mitch McConnell does. It's not what Ronald Reagan did. It's not what Donald Trump did. You know what Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump both did? They did what I'm doing. They said to you, here is the agenda. We're going to secure the border. And in Reagan's case, we're going to lower taxes and other things. And we're going to build the United States military back up. Both of those presidents did that. That's leadership. It's not, well, let me throw you candy and hopefully you'll vote for me. No, you get out there, you go bold. And that's what the Republican Party should be doing, but it's not, at least not at the present time. How about eliminate the Fed? Does that sound good to you? These jokers, I listen to CNBC all the time, they're ignoring the 300-pound gorilla problem that the Federal Reserve created a lot of this mess, including inflation. Allowed there to be artificially low interest rates and flooded our economy with money. That's Part of the reason why we have inflation. The other part, of course, is shutting down government. The two combined was a disaster. Too many dollars chasing too few goods. It's a classic case of inflation. They pumped too many dollars out there. How about a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution? How many things would that fix overnight, instantaneously? Hmm. How about a temporary amendment that would require all congressional salaries, instead of going to the members of Congress, going to pay down the IOUs at Social Security and Medicare? Hmm? Because we know they're going broke. And they are the reason, that may not be the current members of Congress. So so what? The framers of the Constitution, when Congress was set up, they didn't pay an exorbitant salary. They didn't pay anything. I don't even know if they paid expenses to take a horse and buggy from Virginia to uh, Washington, D.C., or Philadelphia. May not even compensate it for that. This is how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the only shot. Washington's not going to fix Washington. Chip Roy doesn't have the power to fix Washington, D.C. Even if Jim Jordan was elected Speaker of the House, who's a good guy, he doesn't have the power to fix Washington, D.C. He can make some temporary changes, but then you're going to get an Nancy Pelosi. This Jeffries lunatic is eventually probably, if he hangs in there long enough, going to be Speaker of the House. But again, if you had term limits, Jim Jeff- or, uh, Jeffries, um, Hakeem Jeffries, goes away. Oh, and by the way, if we pass an amendment that would impose term limits, it would be retroactive. <laughs> Can you imagine what that would do? Yeah. You'd have to, you'd have you'd wipe the slate clean in Washington, DC. So? So what? We have term limits for president. This is the way that you end the Pelosi McConnell swamp forever. In fact, it's the only way that I know now. And it's what you should get behind and support in your state. I'm doing it. I recommend you do it right now. This edition of The Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, even when I'm wrong,
0: I'm right. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers.